superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, yeah. this is the Rich Eisen Show. Goats have home lives, too. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Rich Eisen. Hello, Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen. Oh, that's Susie Eisen's husband. <laughs> <laughs> the Rich Eisen Show. And now, sitting in for Rich, here's Brian Weber. Final hour of the final program of the year. Should I do year in review? Let's see. If I start right now, no, we're not going to get it in. Instead, we'll talk primarily NFL, and then we'll wrap it up in 14 minutes with more college football thoughts. National semifinals coming up tomorrow. Riches. Michigan Wolverines against TCU. Georgia looking to go back-to-back, win another national championship. This time as an undefeated team against Ohio State. We're looking forward to our conversation with Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. Last hour, we brought in our first guest, Jared Bell, longtime NFL columnist for USA Today. A reminder, if you miss any portion of any program, you can catch it anytime on demand with the podcast. We're going to jump right in as we continue to get granular. I'm going through all the teams that I think have a legitimate Playoff stake coming up this weekend. Not teams still mathematically alive. Teams that actually have a likelihood of getting in. And when they get in, they can actually do something of consequence. And then in 20 minutes, and I'll keep it light. It is the holiday season after all. But it's reality. And with the extended regular season, when we went to 18 games, it pushed off the inevitable. But it's time of the year. We're talking Black Monday because... We know a bunch of coaches are going to get fired at the conclusion of the regular season. Who should be renting and not buying? And just think about how this year has progressed. Early on, Matt Rule got paid a bunch of money by the Panthers' deep-pocketed owner, Dave Tepper, to go away. Landed nicely in Nebraska. He's going to try to jumpstart that once-proud program. I have a degree of empathy for Frank Reich. I don't think he was the problem in Indy. Pretty obvious right now. He didn't have to go. Think about that symmetry. People forget, prior to the meltdown a few weeks ago, Colts squandering a 33-0 lead on the road to Minnesota with Jeff Saturday unable to win on a Saturday. If you can't win on a Saturday and not your last name, you got no chance. Well, before that, the greatest comeback in NFL history decades ago, early 90s, the Houston Oilers collapsed against the Buffalo Bills. The quarterback that day, 
for Buffalo? Not Jim Kelly, Frank Reich. So really did complete the circle. And then Nathaniel Hackett pushed out on Monday. We were on the air for that news. Yesterday I was with you when we found out. It wasn't earth-shattering, but it changed the dynamic of how things played out last night on Thursday night football, that the Titans were going with Josh Dobbs just a week and a few days removed from picking him up from the practice squad of the Lions. Josh, in his NFL starting debut after he was a fourth-round pick by the Steelers in 2017, played adequate football and moving forward. That's what Tennessee's looking for because Malik Willis has been overwhelmed, just could do virtually nothing right in his three filling opportunities for the injured Ryan Tannehill. So as we talk about Thursday night football, I can give you one other quarterback development. It's minor. In fact, it was the game that I hammered in passing as I was going through Sunday slate saying there are some Less than stellar matchups? How about that? Mediocre is the word that comes to mind. 4-11 Arizona on the road at 5-10 and 10 Atlanta. Tough year on many levels for the Cardinals. It was tough to see Kyler Murray go down with a torn ACL. At least he's got the peace of mind knowing he's got all that guaranteed money coming his way. Colt McCoy, the backup, has now been ruled out for Sunday, dealing with more concussion symptoms, so... Cliff Kingsbury saying it's the third-string quarterback, one of my favorite names to say, and I have to really sound it out, David Ball, B-L-O-U-G-H. Remember, he played for the Lions in the past. One more reason I will not be hanging on every down on the red zone when the Cardinals and the Falcons get together. Let's talk about matchups and teams that matter. So if you weren't with me early on, I'm disappointed, but I understand, especially with the combination of it being a Friday, it being a radio show, no simulcast, no Rich comes back and check out the fine work on the Roku channel, it being the holiday season, the audience is always in and out. Dobbs at least looked like he was not going to fall apart, as Willis has done the three times he was asked to fill in as a rookie for Ryan Tannehill. He looked like Dobbs, pronouns matter, somebody who understood how an NFL offense works. That's a step in the right direction. And even though the Titans lost their sixth consecutive game, didn't matter. That's why they rested so many starters. For Mike Vrabel's team, it's winner take all next week. Now, just from a standpoint of objectivity, looking for the best stories to talk about, I don't root for individuals or teams. I stopped doing that a long time ago when I got into this business. I'm on team content. I'm looking for what's interesting, what's alluring, what's compelling. I think we'd all like to see Trevor Lawrence in the postseason as Justin Herbert's already taken that next step. Chargers locking up a playoff bid with their Monday night victory over the lowly Colts. Lawrence... In the span of one year, went from looking confused, overwhelmed, not at all ready for prime time. I think a lot of that had to do with the coaching malpractice and just the lousy behavior of Urban Meyer. What do you know? You plug in a legitimate professional coach in Doug Peterson in addition to winning that Super Bowl with the Philly Special. Doug is universally respected, a good dude, coaching up Trevor Lawrence. And suddenly, not only does Lawrence look like a real 
potential franchise quarterback, the Jags are relevant once more. America's team is back in the mix. Remember, AFC title game about a half decade ago. They have a second-half lead on the road in New England with so little faith in Blake Bortles, they went into a show, played as conservatively as you could with the play calling, and what do you know, they failed to win that game. But that's ancient history. Still, one of those teams, Jacksonville or Tennessee, is going to win a division title, and with that, the right to host a playoff game. How do Tom Brady and the Bucks look to you? They look like a robust franchise. Look like a team that's really getting hot at the right time? No, but they found a way to win on Christmas night. Now they got a lot of help from Arizona with that ghastly fumble late in the game. Still, here's Brady at 7-8 and eight with the division lead, taking on Carolina. Brady's worst game of the year came at Carolina. This one will be in the Sunshine State. If you haven't looked at the standings in that terrible division, New Orleans 6-9. Carolina 6-9, and nine, but Tampa Bay at 7-8, and eight, still eking things out. Should they win the division? They also host a playoff game, and don't lose sight of the fact that Tampa Bay and the Bucks won the Super Bowl a few years back as a wildcard team. Yes, that was the COVID season that you should hang an asterisk on because everything was a bit funky that year. Still, while Brady's been in rapid decline and finally looking Something approximating a middle-aged quarterback, not his actual looks. He's the Benjamin Button of pro sports. His face looks to be new, improved, revised. He's got a lot more hair than he used to. I'm talking between the lines a lot of times this year. He has looked old. He has looked ineffective. But he's done just enough, especially in late-game situations like we saw against the Saints, like we saw against the Rams. We saw it again uh, against the Cardinals on Sunday night. I don't think the Bucks are going anywhere, but you put Brady in the postseason, there is a shot. But let's talk about the teams that can really win it all. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich. This is a Friday and a final show of the year edition of the program. Hit me up on Twitter, B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. In 30 minutes, we talk college football with Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. I think there are six teams that can realistically map out a path to the Super Bowl. And I am aware, when I was here last year, I didn't talk about the Bengals at all. So I have just exposed myself as a fraud. Teams get hot. We know that. Still, I can only go with... The insights, quote-unquote, that I have put together over not only watching every Sunday, I sit down at 10 o'clock Pacific time, and there I am deep into the night. Now, Sunday Night Football, sometimes I jump out around the third quarter, but my point here is I'm going a long way to tell you, I actually watch games. Maybe back to that central thesis, I don't have much of a life. You can skate by now if you want. You can just watch highlights. That's fine. I still feel a responsibility because, for better or for worse, this is my occupation, that I want to know what I'm talking about. I don't want to try to fake my way through this exercise. Plus, since I have a few different roles, the payoff is if I invest the time, I can use that intellectual capital in other settings. So watching games, 
here's what I come down to. And unfortunately, most of it is the usual suspects, but I'm going to throw a team in there that I can't believe I'm endorsing, given my issues with the franchise, their playoff history, and I got major question marks about the coaching staff. Still, if I'm trying to be objective, and now that we know they're going to the playoffs for the first time since 2018, there's a lot to like about the Chargers. And don't overlook the fact that Joey Bosa is getting healthier. They're going to have him for the playoffs. And Derwin James has been in and out and dealing with the kerfuffle on Monday night, but let's hope he's fine and ready to go come playoff time. It was a Charger defense. We spend so much time talking about the offense, but let me just focus on the other side of the football that had a abysmal start to the year. Well, if you care about teams playing well down the stretch, last four games, Chargers, one of the best defenses in all of football. With, you got to parse those numbers, benefiting from a schedule that provided the Colts as the Patsy on Monday night. I know Nick Foles is a hero to many. Six teams now for Foles, a Super Bowl champion. But he was horrendous in that game with the early picks. And Tennessee was unable to do much for the majority of the game. Made a tight, and then Herbert put together the latest game-winning drive. Defense playing better. Herbert trying to demonstrate he's going to wind up on that same tier as Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, who went to a Super Bowl last year. Certainly, we've seen enough early in his career that Herbert belongs in that same conversation. He's got playmakers in Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Issue for L.A., I would say L.A., so I don't walk my way into a San Diego conundrum. They just don't run the football. Bottom five teams over the course of the year, and you can move them 25 to 32, but they're right in that mix. They were 31 heading into Monday Night Football. Average less than four yards a carry. Austin Eckler is not a reliable, dependable every down back, but that's not how the offense works, and that's one of my issues with this team. I think you have to have a legitimacy with a rushing attack just to keep the defenses honest, keep some of the pressure off of Herbert. Now, if you're a Bill fan, you're going to say, hey, uh, tough guy, weird guy, whoever you are, We don't run the ball that much. I agree, and that's one of the issues I have with Buffalo. Why I was so pleased to see when they beat up a lousy Chicago team as they should have, Buffalo ran it for 250 yards last week. And you're seeing more from Devin Singletary and more from James Cook. Problem for Josh Allen long-term is he's taking too many hits and he's putting his body on the line in a different way than Lamar Jackson, but the consequences will be the same and Lamar Unable to practice again yesterday. No idea when we're going to see him again. As the Ravens have already clinched a playoff spot. Ravens and Steelers. Pittsburgh still mathematically alive in the wildcard hunt. Renewing their rivalry coming up on Sunday Night Football. That game flexed out. But as I do my best to move beyond the usual suspects, to me, the Chargers are a team to circle and be aware of come playoff time. I had a lot of faith in Miami. Don't know what to make of them now. With all the uncertainty at the quarterback position, I think we can say with a high degree of confidence, we will not see Tua again, even if Miami locks up the remaining wild card. And that's the right choice. 
with all of the head trauma. We're going to call it three distinct incidences. The Bill game that was misdiagnosed. We were told it was a back issue. The Bengal game with that horrific scene of Tua going down four days later on Thursday Night Football. And then the Packer game, I didn't see it in real time. But if, in fact, that injury was suffered in the second quarter and makes the three consecutive picks in the second half thrown by Tua more understandable, still, I think we've seen enough throughout his career from Teddy Bridgewater that he can hold that offense together, get it to Waddle, get it to Hill, let your playmakers do the rest. Miami, interesting team and still dangerous, even if it's Teddy Bridgewater leading them in the postseason. But if we're going to elevate things to the top of the hierarchy – It is Buffalo, not a hot take. Remember, they were the preseason favorite from the perspective of the Sharpies in Las Vegas to win the championship. Kansas City, amazing that they say goodbye to Hill and they keep moving along and making Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS and all of these other second-tier receivers look so phenomenal, and that's a reflection of the transcendence of Patrick Mahomes and Cincinnati. Should be talking more about Cincinnati's defense, more about their depth, because Joe Mixon's been in and out of the lineup. Same thing with Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow is tough, he is resilient, and he is resourceful. So I'm going Cincinnati, I'm going Buffalo, Kansas City, and maybe the Chargers. That's the AFC. In the NFC, Philadelphia, I don't care if, in fact, we don't see Jalen Hurts again this Sunday. There's enough for Gardner Minshew to work with to beat a lousy team like the Saints. Philadelphia, clearly, even though they lost to Dallas, but clearly, in my estimation, with a healthy Jalen Hurts, the best team in the NFC. What do we make of the Vikings? I have bashed them every time I've had an opportunity. I might look like a fool come playoff time, but I also remember how they played head-to-head on the road in Philadelphia and head-to-head against the Dallas Cowboys in Minnesota. So I think they are a mirage. I think they are fraudulent. If I'm looking for teams I believe in in the NFC, it comes down to the 49ers, irrespective of who the quarterback is, and I think they're going to ride with Brock Purdy. Good news percolating on the injury front. Debo Samuel returning to the practice field. And as we come up with the winning combination for the Niners, it is All of the impact on all of the different levels of the offense from Christian McCaffrey. What a bold move that was and a tremendous trade to get him from Carolina. And San Francisco's defense that's number one in all of football. Like the Niners are right there. Close your eyes, not if you're driving, but just a smidge below Philadelphia. In fact, I could probably talk myself into believing in the Niners the most. I'm still waiting for Purdy to wake up and play like Mr. Relevant and then I can't believe I'm going to do this. I still believe in Dallas. Now, there are a lot of reasons to say you are a fool, fill-in guy, but I'm aware 14 picks matching a career high for Dak Prescott. Two more coming last night. He had three turnovers, five multiple interception games this year, and remember, he missed five games with the finger injury. Still, small sample size. If you can just... Find your way to play more economical football, more efficiently in the postseason, and rely on the defense. I got to give Dallas a shot. But that's the list. Now, a lot more football coming up. I could be wrong. Here's the good news. 
Rich does not take a lot of vacation, which is great for you. You don't have to deal with me. And if I'm wrong, next time I'm here, few people will remember, although the podcast lives forever and never lies. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich. A lot more to get to. Limited time to achieve that goal. Hit me up on Twitter, B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs. Coming up in just over 20 minutes, we get you set for the national semifinals in college football. When we say hello to Matt Fortuna of the Athletics, straight ahead, we go from the positivity of teams that can win the Super Bowl to the negativity of who's getting fired in the NFL. Who's coaching to keep their jobs with just two games left in the regular season? That's on the way. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one convenient place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of the competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 32,000 businesses already use NetSuite. For the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash richradio. Head to netsuite.com slash richradio for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses, netsuite.com slash richradio. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time 
Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Home stretch, final hour, final program of the year. The ball is dropping now. They're going to start it very gradually, and then tomorrow, the excitement in Times Square. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich, Rich Eisen Show. Here's the good news. If you've not enjoyed this audio experience, that's okay. I get it. Some people like strawberry ice cream. Others like vanilla. Rich and the fellas back next week with a ton to get to. Among the items on the agenda, as a proud and notable alumnus of Michigan, almost as good a school as Leland Stanford Junior University, Rich will be breaking down what happens tomorrow in the national semifinal with his beloved Wolverines taking on TCU. Other game features, Georgia and Ohio State were going to Give you all the details you need to know about how things will play out in both national semifinals. Coming up in 15 minutes when we chat with Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs, is the Twitter feed. I check out your tweets during the break, mostly to see is Twitter still functioning, and then I see what's trending as well. So, among the trending topics, Brock Oswo. And it occurred to me, wait a minute. Is Brock Lobster coming out of retirement? I thought Josh Dobbs played adequately enough for Tennessee that he could probably hang out to that gig next week when they take on Jacksonville to determine who's going to win the AFC South. No Chapter 2 for Brock. Apparently, he's calling the Mayo Bowl. And a few people think he is projecting. Let me read you one tweet. Somebody tell Brock Osweiler to stop yelling. We can hear him fine. Now, I should stay away from that. I am well aware I am the loudest man in the world. In fact, I'm so loud, I turned down the audio in my headset to preserve what little hearing I have left. So I'm not trying to be hypocritical. In fairness, though, I've arrived at this style after years of evolution, understanding that as a listener, whatever I'm enjoying, now different platforms require different approaches, but specifically sports talk radio. If I'm listening to a host who sounds like he doesn't want to be there, why am I listening? So I'm not looking for fake outrage. I'm not looking for contrived embrace debate. I'm not looking for a pro wrestling promo as much as I miss Mean Gene Oakland holding that stick mic. I'm just looking for legitimate energy, passion, intensity. So yes. I will concede sometimes I can be a little bit too forceful from a standpoint of projecting into the microphone, but I always thought I've got the ability, hopefully, to dial it down. Now, when you flip over and watch me do tennis next week, you're not going to have any idea I was the same guy giving you these sizzling hot takes. Among them, who's getting fired in the NFL? So, Nate Canhackett was pushed out on Monday, long overdue by the Broncos. Early in the year, a lot of money paid to Matt Rule to do virtually nothing in Carolina. Now he's going to try to rejuvenate 
the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and Frank Reich I don't think deserve to be fired, but when you sign up to work for a erratic owner, I'll be kind, a unpredictable, enigmatic, mercurial, Jim say, don't be surprised if he wakes up one day and says, you know, I'm going to hire somebody not only with no pro experience or college experience, he's right now in the hot take business like yours truly. That was the case for Jeff Saturday. So Saturday has to be one and done. Now, nothing has to happen. Remember, these NFL franchises are not public trusts. We don't get a vote. It's not American Idol. Jim say can do whatever he wants to, as demonstrated by the Saturday hire, which never should have happened. I've laid out the case. Jim Harbaugh, his agent, if he wants to get one more payday for all parties concerned, beyond what he can drum up in Ann Arbor, where he can stay now as long as he wants to, pick up the phone, call Ursay, and demand 12, 14 million bucks. If Ursay has any real designs, I'm making that franchise relevant again. That's the way to go. But even if I've given you the wrong outcome, that job should open up. Other coaches that could be on their way out, Lovey Smith and Houston. And I can't defend what's happened with the Texans. Now, this is not a Lovey issue. This is a Texans issue. This is a McNair family issue. Because even all of those years, they were winning division titles, and we'd have to endure the Texans playing that first unwatchable playoff game. They did nothing. It's a franchise that's been stuck in neutral for way too long. But those years now look like glory years compared to what's happened as of late. Houston, 2-12-1. But... If you've been watching them, I'm sure you've tried to avoid it. It's like a car wreck. At least they've been competing. And what do you expect from Davis Mills, although he did go to Stanford, or Jeff Driscoll, or whoever they've been trotting out out there? They just don't have nearly enough talent to compete. So, Lovey always seemed like he was going to be the fall guy. And it's not fair, but this is a franchise that has been going nowhere for a long time, and at some point, something's got to change. The easiest thing to change is the head coach. How about Arizona? It's a weird situation because, in retrospect, it made no sense in the spring that after they limped down the stretch, remember Arizona either starts hot and then falls apart or reverses that. Tepid start and then gets hot and then loses meaningful games. But when... Bill Bedwell, the owner of the Cardinals, inexplicably decided to give both GM Steve Kime, who stepped away with personal issues now, and head coach Cliff Kingsbury the contract extensions in the spring. It made no sense whatsoever. What had the franchise done to justify that? Now there are reports that Cliff may walk away on his own terms. Now he realizes this is not working because even before Kyler Murray went down with the knee injury. There was all of the friction back to the homework clause in that contract extension and who leaked it and what the motivation was. And Kyler being vocal about the lack of creativity in their offense, using words I can't say on the radio. It just seems like a dysfunctional, toxic, toxic situation. And 
at some point, whether it's now, next year, the year after, Cliff knows he's dead man walking. So maybe he spins it and says, I feel like I've done everything I can for the franchise. I'm going to step away. And because he fails upward, remember, what did Cliff Kingsbury do in college to get this job? Didn't have a winning record. Think about the quarterbacks he coached along the way. He had Patrick Mahomes. What did he win with him? But Cliff interviews well. He's got the GQ look on the sideline. I don't know what it is. He must be exceedingly charming, but he's had this moniker. He's had this reputation for being an offensive guru. I have yet to see it. But since we've already had three coaching changes, doesn't feel like we're going to have the typical macabre day after the regular season finale when some years we have upwards of seven coaches lose their job. And just so you know, I'm not rooting for anyone to get fired. Look, I work in the media business. We have our own problems. I'm on a segment-by-segment deal. Hopefully I've done enough to come back to have this upcoming conversation with Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. But coaches understand when they get into this profession just how volatile it is and all your cliches about the business we have chosen pointing in that direction. I'll give you a guy who deserves to keep his job and certainly also merits being in the conversation for coach of the year, although I think it's going to be Nick Seriani in Philadelphia and why not. Steve Wilkes has done a marvelous job in Carolina. Now, whether he is able to lose the interim tag and hang on to that job remains to be seen. But just go through the circumstances there. Ownership makes it clear the franchise is not moving in the way that David Tepper wants. So he writes the big check to say goodbye to Matt Rule. He eats the money. They then flip the franchise's best asset in Christian McCaffrey, and you got Baker freaking Mayfield when he was looking terrible. Now you put him on the Rams. Sean McVay, coaching him up to a degree. I think there's a lot of also, hey, Baker, go do your own thing because it's not like he's got Cooper Cup or a full complement of wide receivers because the Rams got absolutely battered by injuries, among other problems this year. But Baker was atrocious on the Panthers. Make the coaching change, and this team has played respectable football. In fact, they still are very much alive in the division hunt. They have already defeated Tampa Bay, have a chance to make a major statement, and potentially move towards winning that division with a showdown against the Bucks. Yes, a 6-9 Carolina versus a 7-8 Tampa is a showdown given how horrific that division is. So I'm not sure, understanding that Tepper, with his private equity money, is going to be attracted to the bright, shiny objects, and he's going to want to make a splash. Well, how'd that work out with Rule when he was the hot name coming out of Baylor? But just from a standpoint of watching a team that could have quit and most assuredly has not, at getting the most out of P.J. Walker, of all people, Steve Wilkes deserves to keep that job, but I'm not the one making the hire. Obviously, I am just a fill-in hack. Getting closer to the final segment of the final program of the year. A lot of pressure. Let's see if we can execute that smoothly. We're going to wrap it up with Gusto talking college football with the national semifinals tomorrow. Any chance, Georgia? 
should be on upset alert against Ohio State. Looking forward to our latest conversation with Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. Always a delight to be in for Rich. I'm Brian Weber. This is The Rich Eisen Show. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Brian Weber in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's wrap up the program with style points, talk more college football. The last time I was here on Thanksgiving Day, enjoyed our conversation with Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. Matt, kind enough to rejoin us today. Matt, happy holidays. How are you? Happy New Year. Doing well, my friend. How are you? I am doing well. Let's jump right in talking Georgia, Ohio State. We've known for decades that the Bulldogs have been a pipeline to the pros. So as we take a step back, what do you think has allowed Kirby Smart now to maximize the talent and give Georgia a shot at winning back-to-back national titles? Yeah, you know, Brian, I've always thought, you know, even before Kirby Smart got there, Georgia was the one job in the country that I thought more than any others had the potential to truly be the best college football job in America. I just think with, with, with the passion of that fan base, with the proximity to talent in that great football state and with all the, the kind of inherent natural resources there, that was a sleeping giant. Now, they were always really, really good. They just had never got it over the hump until last year. I mean, it's pretty crazy when you think about it that the University of Georgia went 41 years without winning a national championship. But they finally got over that hump. They've obviously been pretty close to it multiple times before with Kirby Smart, and, and they're on the brink of doing it again. And if they win back-to-back titles here, which they're the favorite to do. That'll be the first time anyone's repeated in almost 10 years, since Nick Saban, well, exactly 10 years, since Nick Saban did at Alabama in 2011 and 2012. And they're obviously recruiting at an elite level as good as anyone anywhere in the country. And they're operating the way right now that, that Nick Saban had had Alabama operating at its peak. And their dynasty is certainly um, not dead just yet either. So uh, you could be looking at an Alabama-Georgia, you know, SEC on SEC battle for national supremacy here for, for, for years to come if we're not already there right now. And Kirby loses 15 NFL draft picks last year and reloads and 
has the number one team in the country again this year. So there's no questioning just how high of a level that he has that program operating on right now. Matt, we're always looking for the good story to tell, the right narrative. So what do you make of the career progression of Stetson Bennett? This guy has dealt with so much scrutiny. He went from being a walk-on to a national champion, Heisman Trophy finalist, and now he's got a chance to win another one. It's incredible, Brian. I think it's one of the the better individual stories in recent college football history. And honestly, it would have been that way if it just ended last year with him winning the national title and, and, and moving on to the NFL or wherever his post-college life takes him to. And to come back and, you know, quarterback the number one team in the country, make it to New York as a Heisman finalist. I know, you know, a lot of people, including myself, frankly, disagreed with, with him being that high, but, but it is what it is. And it was a great moment for him and for that program. You know, I've heard Kirby Smart say, you know, some variation of, hey, we did everything we could for as long as we could to try to convince Stetson Bennett that he will never be the starting quarterback at the University of Georgia. And he never listened to us. And good for him. Right? <laughs> you talk about a guy who has proven everyone wrong. Um, you know, for, for him to go there to begin with, to leave, to come back, um, you know, fi- finally, you know, get the happy marriage with offense coordinator Todd Munkin, who's really taken that offense, that program to, to another level uh, and to, to thrive and have this kind of success he's had. And it, it, let's be clear here. Uh, this Georgia offense is a huge part of this program. I'm not, not sure you could have said that in years past uh, with as dominant as that defense was. But, but this defense is really good, but it's not the dominant defense of a year ago. They don't force turnovers at, at the rate they did last year. They don't sack the quarterback the way they did last year, and they don't um, you know, play as well in the secondary as well as they did last year. Now, they're still very, very good, but, but they're doing it on both sides of the ball this year, and Stetson Bennett is a big reason for that. And, I mean, again, for him to win one national title there was improbable enough. For him to come back and even further cement his legacy and maybe do it again, uh, you, you cannot make a story like that up. It just hats off to him. The guy's 25 years old. That's not an exaggeration. He actually turned 25 in season. You, you don't see that every day, but um, I don't think it, it, it takes away at all from, from the narrative and the impact that he's had on that program. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich. It's the Rich Eisen Show, getting you fully lined up for tomorrow's national semifinals with Matt Fortuna. Check out his great work at The Athletic. So let's jump over to Ohio State. Last time we saw them, they were getting rocked by Michigan. Matt, in terms of game flow and progression, what has to happen tomorrow for the Buckeyes to make this matchup competitive? They they need Marvin Harrison Jr. and C.J. Stroud and really that the entire offense to, to do what they did last year against Utah, and that is basically put on a historic performance. And if anyone's capable of doing that, it's Ohio State with these skill players. But I do think there's there's been a hitch with them, right? There's been an and or a but. And frankly, you know, they, they get boat raced the way they did last year against Michigan. They get questioned about their toughness and their credentials. And they basically spent the past year saying, that's not us, that's not us, we're going to get them back this year. And what happened? The exact same thing happened. Michigan destroyed them. They were the tougher team. They were the deeper team. They were the more physical team. And we all kind of wrote Ohio State off after that game, and deservedly so, and, and through divine intervention, through luck, USC loses uh, the Pac-12 title game and paves a way back for Ohio State to get to the playoff and uh, potentially redeem themselves. I mean, certainly this is a roster that is as talented maybe as anyone in the country. And they are capable of winning a national championship, but, but they have not exactly proven – uh, that, that, that they're the complete elite tough team that you need to be to win it all uh, over the last two years. That, that they can obviously flip the script and change the narrative by beating Georgia tomorrow and, 
hey, if they get a rematch with Michigan, there's going to be a lot of anxiety on, on both sides going into that game because you definitely don't want to be on the losing end of that one. But if you can avenge a Michigan loss by beating them and, and winning the national title, that's going to answer every question we've all had about this program. But these questions have been persistent over the last year and a half with Ohio State, and it's up to them eventually to, to, to change the narrative and to answer those questions definitively. And, and what better shot? Than, than having the opportunity to beat Georgia in their backyard tomorrow. How do you see the Fiesta Bowl? I think a lot of observers may be discounting TCU because they lost the conference title game, but if you watch that game, you realize how tight it was. It was just a three-point loss in overtime. Maybe hangover assessment from the escape against Baylor. As you line up TCU and Michigan, what do you think is the most intriguing element of this game? Can TCU make plays against the Michigan defense? I mean, Michigan's plays defensive football at a different level than pretty much everyone else in the Big 12. Now, the Big 12, I think, was the deepest conference in the country this year, uh, one of the most exciting conferences in the country. TCU answered every single question that came their way. Based on stats, based on experience, uh, based on recruiting rankings, they have no business being here. and They're a great underdog sports story, why we love this sport so much, because a guy like Max Duggan can enter his senior year as a backup in week one to Chandler Morris and not only take over the starting job, but finishes the runner up for the Heisman trophy and get Sonny Dykes to the college football playoff in his first year as a head coach there. So taking nothing away from TCU, but I, I just don't think they face a, a team as deep on the defensive side of the ball as Michigan is. I mean, Michigan is playing a different level right now. They're playing with an edge to them that they did not have last year. Um, and they know it's not about just getting to the playoff and beating Ohio state. It's about finishing the job and winning it all this year. And they've been playing like a team possessed throughout much of this year. And I think they're the deeper and more talented team on the field tomorrow night. I think they get it done against TCU. And looking for a concise answer here. What's the likelihood, irrespective of how things play out, but let's assume Michigan wins tomorrow, then loses to Georgia in the national title game. What's the likelihood that Jim Harbaugh would be open to going back to the NFL now? You know, I, I think the answer to that question is independent of whatever happens this year for Michigan, both good and bad, right? I mean, clearly he wanted to go last year. He would not have interviewed with the Minnesota Vikings on National Signing Day of all days mm-hmm. if he did not intend to go to the NFL. Now, he did not get that job offer that he presumably expected. Um, I, I will say this about Jim Harbaugh, and I'm not breaking any news here. The guy marches to the beat of his own drum. <laughs> uh, unlike most coaches, most people in his position, uh, he doesn't have an agent speaking for him. He doesn't have friends in the media speaking for him. He does what he wants when he wants to do it. So I think to, to forecast what he will or won't do really depends on the day of the week and how he feels when he wakes up that morning. Uh, and I'm being 100% genuine when I say that. I mean, the guy truly does what he wants. He's been more successful than not. He's been very successful at the NFL level, and it's very easy to see why he'd be attractive to come back to the NFL, especially with all he's done at Michigan. So I think win or lose this week or next, he's going to be pursued by NFL guys. I mean, he obviously has a lot of history in Indianapolis. He has an owner who, by all accounts, is in love with him. In Jim say it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Colts make a run at him here. Uh, it's ultimately going to be up to Jim Harbaugh to decide what he wants to do. And again, good luck trying to predict what he wants to do. I mean, I wrote him off like everyone else two years ago, thinking he had, he had maxed out his time in his homecoming at Michigan. And sure enough, he's completely flipped the script with his alma mater. Uh, and they have a chance to win it all here in the next couple of weeks. Matt, great information as always. I appreciate the insights. Thanks for taking the time. I hope you enjoy the games and Happy New Year. Thank you. Back at you, buddy. Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. Excellent nuance there to Jim Harbaugh. I'd forgotten the 
aspect that he does not have an agent. That is correct because he handles his own business. I'll give you a quick anecdote. When Harbaugh got the job at Stanford, I had a good friend on the sports media relations department. So he asked Harbaugh, Coach, could I have your cell phone numbers just so we can text and make things more efficient? And Jim said, you don't need my cell number. He said, well, how do you want to reach me? Just just call me at the office. And that was Jim saying, I'll let you know when I'm ready to converse with you. Think about, though, the cycle for Harbaugh. San Diego, not San Diego State, San Diego won. Stanford won. 49ers Super Bowl, Michigan Back in the playoff for a second consecutive year. And I gave away that bold prediction. Nothing close to a hot take. Georgia-Michigan win, and that's a spicy national title game that you can assume Rich will be in the house for because it's coming up January 9th here in Southern California as one of the most notable Michigan alums. So keep it where it is for that. As we are winding down, that means Rich and the fellas are warming up back with you next week. All of the fallout from the national semifinals. Plus, I'll get you set for the games remaining in college football. Remember, the traditional January 1 games are being spread out. So, for example, tonight we got the Orange Bowl. Good watch. Tennessee and Clemson. They got the Rose Bowl on January 2nd. And we got nothing but NFL takeaways on the horizon. What else is going to happen to the playoff picture as Week 17 is underway and a enormous Sunday coming up, Buffalo and Kansas City on Monday night. A lot of people to thank, as always. Primarily, thanks to Rich. Really appreciate his confidence in me. Always value this opportunity. All the terrific people at Westwood One, led by Bruce Gilbert. Our skilled technical producer is Art Martinez. Rich is back next week. Happy New Year. I'm Brian Weber. This is The Rich Eisen Show.